what about this episode do you think is going to satiate the appetites of our socialites? You know, we talk about a lot of cases that involve evil, just pure evil. Most of it doesn't scare me. This one scares me, and it should scare every man in America. Why? We would all fall for this, every single one of us. Welcome to Socialite Crime Club. history before we get into our crime this time. We have a lot of dynamics with the people involved in this one. So I just want to make sure our audience is, is tracking who's who before we get into the, the meat right. of the matter. Okay. We're going to go to your favorite city in your favorite state, Dallas, Texas. Oh, great. I know you would be excited. Mm -hmm. 1987. There are two things that happened in Texas in 1987, other than, of course, the Pope visiting. The Pope mobile went through Texas, so I don't want that somebody... That was in 87. It was in 87. I was worried. I was going to say, there's two things that happened in Texas in 1987, and I figured somebody in Texas is going to be like, well, you forgot about the Pope mobile. So <laughs> other than the Pope mobile, okay. there's two particular things that happened in 1987. I'm glad you clarified. Yeah, we, we want to be you know, accurate. Mm -hmm. In the spring, Chasey Tyler Mormon was born. Okay. Healthy, bouncing, beautiful little baby. Okay. At the same time, Robert Pointer the third is a senior in high school. Okay. Totally unrelated. They don't know each other. Different parts of the state. It's important to understand there's an 18 year age gap. When Chasey Mormon is born, Robert Pointer is 18 years old. I feel like you're setting us up for an incredibly terrible event. Yes, I am. <laughs> Bob has a girlfriend, Robert Pointer. He goes by Bob. He'll go by Bob for the rest of this episode. In high school, he's got a girlfriend, Amy. They've been high school sweethearts throughout their high school careers. Shortly after graduation, they marry at a very young age. They're going to marry in 1989. Okay. So we're going to fast forward now. And in 1995, when Chasey goes into the second grade, Bob and Amy are going to have their first child. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. So just remember, Bob's oldest daughter is born. When Chasey's in second grade. Second grade. In 1998, oh, no. Bob is going to complete the fire academy to become a firefighter. Something he's always wanted to do. He, he's very passionate about helping people. He's a, he's a good guy. He is okay. a really good guy. Right. He's going to get a job with the University Park Fire Department, which is northern Dallas kind of central north okay. Dallas. Bob and Amy are doing well. They have their second child as well. Oh. And Chasey goes into the sixth grade. Is this a picture of Bob and Amy and their two daughters here? It is. And I would say this picture is probably circa 2002 to maybe 2004, I believe. Okay. Uh, don't quote me on that. If somebody in the family sees it and I'm wrong, I apologize. I think I'm pretty close though. Bob's a big guy. Bob is a big guy. And he is kind of this big statue of a man, but everybody describes him as like this teddy bear, just the nicest guy you could ever meet. Okay. In 2005, Bob is sent to New Orleans as part of the Hurricane Katrina issue. Okay. So he, he goes as a, the special task force to help with fire and medical stuff. And Bob was always really proud of this. This was like a big accomplishment. He was very proud to be chosen 
to go serve in that type of capacity. Sure. Yeah. And as Bob is managing horrible things for Hurricane Katrina, JC is in high school. Just looking forward to the rest of her life. Just looking for the rest of her life. She's going to graduate that year, 2005. She wants to go into nursing, so she's going to begin taking some classes to become a nurse's aide. Okay. Now, in 2007, I'm going to call this the first harmful event, and I need to qualify this. That's interesting. You chose those words. Okay. Yes, an accident reconstruction, collision reconstruction. So when law enforcement has like a fatal accident and they try to reconstruct what happens, investigators will look through the scene and they look for any signs of the first harmful event. This is just a big traffic collision. It is a big, fatal traffic collision. So that tell is people to, what a first harmful event would actually be. I swerve to miss the deer and I slightly go off the road and then I recover, but then I overcorrect and then I swerve and swerve and then I start to roll. A good investigator is going to see where I very first swerve to miss the deer. There'll be a mark there. That's mm-hmm. where the first harmful event happened. So the first harmful event was Chasey's birth? No, or, no, no, no. no. Okay. It doesn't really happen until 2007. Okay. Between her Got birth it. and 2007, yes, said this. they live in different universes. They're, I mean, they're both in Texas, but they have no connections at so all. So had she never met him, this they had never may met. have never happened. But in 2007, they meet. And I'm not 100% sure how they met. There's really no information on this. I imagine Bob is a firefighter, probably handles a lot of medical calls. He's away from home quite a bit. He's away from home a lot. He interacts with nurses on a regular basis, nurses' aides. Maybe they have a call to a senior citizen's home. Maybe they have a call to a dentist office. Maybe they're in the hospital, right, for different patients. So I suspect that this is probably how they crossed paths. Bob works with, obviously, other firefighters at the firehouse, and the other firefighters at the firehouse will make it very clear later in life when they're interviewed about this, Chasey was pursuing Bob hardcore. She would come to the fire station all the time. She would hang out there. And I'm not going to mention any names of cities or people that I know, mm-hmm. but firehouses kind of have a reputation when it having comes groupies? to groupies. And I would say it's just they end up like little whorehouses, but no one's exchanging money. So it technically isn't a whorehouse. There's but no red light on the front door. Sometimes I bet there is. It's, <laughs> it can get pretty bad. So people have to understand a lot of firefighters will work a 24 to a 48 hour shift. So they eat, sleep and breathe at the fire station when they're not on calls. Mm-hmm. So it's not uncommon for these groupies to hang out the fire station on a right. regular basis. And there are a lot of single firemen. There are a lot of single firemen. Correct. Bob's not. He's married with two kids. Oh dear. And that's he's 18 true. years older than Chasey. Oh. 18. Bob and Chasey start an affair. And that's why not a lot of information is known here is Bob's being secretive. Not only is Bob being secretive, he's gone and got a second phone that he uses just for Chasey. He got a burner. He got a Chasey burner phone. Bob. Bob's going to put one of his daughters in a very awkward position because she finds the burner phone. Do you know which daughter found out? Is the, it the eldest? The youngest. It's always the youngest you got to watch out for. You know this. These damn kids. Yes. She goes through the phone, sees the text messages between her father and Chasey, and they are not PG-13. Pretty intense. Oh, this poor girl. Yeah. So she's conflicted. What do I do? My dad is having an affair. She understands what's happening. 100%. So she decides she has to tell her mother, which she does. Obviously, this doesn't go over well. Right. Bob and Amy are going to have a rocky marriage, and ultimately, they're going to get divorced. So this starts in 2007. By the spring of 2009, they have filed for divorce and completing the divorce process. Okay. Which is probably good because around the same time, Chasey gets pregnant with Bob's child. Oh. Yeah. 
they are going to get married in December of 2009. So Chasey's eight months pregnant when they get married. At that time, she is 22. Bob is 40. This is like you hooking up with one of our daughter's friends. It's just so weird. Could you imagine? I'm not uh, sure how to say this. Mm. I love our kids. Mm-hmm. But the thought of having to wake up next to one of their friends and hear the shit that they talk about all the time every day of my life is terrifying. Well, and their friends are fun. We go to Vegas That's what I'm saying. I love my kids. We have good times. But every day, I need a break. <laughs> I can't right. do it. No. Yeah, uh. there's a reason you don't hang out with an 18-year-old. Now, <laughs> they're eventually going to move to Royce City, Texas. Royce City is a suburb east of Dallas. It's about a 45-minute drive east of Dallas, kind of east, northeast. Bob is still with the University Park Fire Department. Chasey is working in Mesquite, Texas as a nursing aide at like a surgical dental facility, Okay, something like that. Um, she's also starting a cake company. Oh. A little bakery. She does cakes. She's and an I, entrepreneur. She's an entrepreneur. I found some pictures, and I'm sure we're going to get a few comments of people being upset that we're picking on this, but these are shitty cakes. Those. Like, who starts a business and then puts pictures of these cakes on their business profile to be like, buy my cake? That is pretty annoying. It's terrible. Is that a wedding cake? Is that what that's supposed to be? I, the one on the left? Yes. I'm going to assume it is. It's the one of the fire truck that's hooked up to the fire hydrant, but then the hose goes to the top of the truck and it looks like it has a leak. Well, at first I couldn't tell that was a fire hose. And is the fire hydrant, it appears on the side of the cake. It looks like one of those kindergarten drawings that- Your kid's crappy artwork. Just Google it. Your kid's crappy artwork. I love that site. It is my favorite site. It's where somebody makes fun of like kindergartner drawings. Those are better (laughs) than this. (laughs) Those are pretty crappy. So I'm going to assume that Chasey's cake business probably isn't going to take off, but she is trying to do the business on the side. Okay. Good luck. We're going to move forward on our timeline. 2013, Chasey is going to start a pretty impressive weight loss journey. And I'm going to talk shit about Chasey this entire episode because this chick is evil. Okay. But I'm going to give her some props here. In 2013, she decides she's going to start losing weight and get healthy. Okay. It it takes her two years. So this weight loss journey is going to be a two-year thing. By 2015, she's lost 104 pounds. How much did she start out weighing? I'm thinking she's probably pushing 240. 230, 240s. Oh, oh, here's her picture. Here's her before and after. And that is a pretty impressive change. That like, is an impressive change. I've got to give it to her. She she really got serious when she went after it. As she lost weight, the color of her blonde even changed. Well, I'm sure there might be some other things going on there. In 2014, they also bought a new house in Royce City. It's oh. off of Hidden Creek Drive. It's a pretty house. Like, I've seen pictures of it. It's, it's a nice house. Okay. So they're doing pretty well for all intents and purposes. They have a child of their own who's very healthy. Bob is doing really well at the fire station. He's now a captain and Chasey's lost a bunch of weight. I'm going to say the cake company probably isn't doing well, but everything else is. We don't know. No, we know. (laughs) So come on. The problem is when Chasey starts to lose weight, she starts making a lot of friends, a lot of male friends. Mm. She's big on Facebook. She's very, very busy on Facebook. Chasey decides to enter the dating scene, even though she's married. 
because she's getting a lot of tension from men that she's never probably had and before. And Bob is gone a lot. Bob is gone for 48 hours at a time. So anytime he's on a shift, he's gone for 48 hours. So this gives her a lot of freedom. A lot of freedom. She has a four-year-old at home. Bob's youngest daughter from his previous marriage to Amy is also living with them now. So they have, and I'm going to say she's maybe 12, 13. Okay. I'm guessing. She will later say that Chasey goes out a lot at night when her dad is at the fire station. And Chasey will always tell her, oh, I'm going to the gym. Okay. But she's a smart girl and she's like, she You don't dressed. wear that to the gym. Yeah, you didn't do your hair and makeup and wear that to go to the gym. So there's a lot of stuff going back and forth. And then one day, Chasey leaves the house but leaves her Facebook open on the computer. <sighs> the same daughter who finds dad's burner phone is going to find Chasey's Facebook account. And she, she has some life experience at this point. She yes. understands what's happening. She does. And she goes and she looks at Chasey's messenger and she reads some things that are terrible, terrible, terrible. Chasey has multiple boyfriends. She had to wash her eyes out with soap afterwards. You can't unsee some of the things that that poor girl oh. saw that day. Kind of like before, she's on these horns of dilemma and she decides, oh, well, I've got to tell my dad. And she doesn't like Chasey. She says Chasey was always mean to her. She's right. not a Chasey fan. So she tells her dad, dad actually starts to file for divorce, fills out the paperwork, pulls it back. I don't know why, but he's very suspicious of what's happening while he's gone. And he goes out and invests in a ring doorbell. Oh, okay. He so wants he to see who's coming to the house while he's gone. Smart. And it doesn't take long for him to get a little preview. Did she know that about watch, the ring watch, camera? I'm going to play this twice. Watch what she does. She pushes him away. But this is, okay, so she knows I'll about the ring camera. I'll play it again. Camera. Of course she knows. We'll get into who this guy is. Right now, we don't know. And neither does Bob. Bob is seeing the same thing we're seeing. Is and that the landscaper? <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> the pool guy? And even if it is the landscaper, it's just as disturbing because she disappears with him for hours. There's no money in the account to pay you right now. <laughs> you need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what she's saying, but I'll give it to you. Bob is really worried about his marriage at this point. He doesn't want a divorce. Okay. But he also doesn't want his wife screwing around on him with every guy in town. Like, Everybody's got a line, right? Right, yeah. So he's going to try to save the marriage, and he plans a trip to Mexico. Because maybe he's thinking, I don't spend enough time with my wife. I work a lot. Okay. I think one of his mistakes here is he decides to take the six-year-old. When you're planning a trip to Mexico to kind of rekindle with your wife, leave mm -hmm. the kids at home. Well, the real question is, did he decide to take the six-year-old, or was it her decision? It wouldn't surprise me if this was a chasing move just to keep some distance between them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to go to Mexico. Chasey will later say the trip was terrible because Bob was yelling at her the entire trip, accusing her of texting and calling other men while they were on their vacation. And was she? The entire time. <laughs> oh, How do you know that? On the way to the airport, at the airport, on the plane, at the oh pool, gosh. the entire time. And she's mad because he's mad at her. Well, she comes back and she paints this picture of like, he was just yelling at me the entire time because she he thinks I'm texting people. And then later on, this investigation is going to show hundreds of text messages while they're on vacation. Oh, my gosh. So let's just say this marriage is not going to work. Now, I'm going to throw some dates out here because it's going to start to get really important to follow the dates. Okay. We're on September 7th of 2016. It's a Wednesday. That is when they fly home from Mexico. Okay. So Wednesday the 7th, September 7th. Thursday, 
September 8th. Bob goes into the fire station, talks to a good friend of his there, and tells the friend, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to get a divorce. Good. Good job, Bob. He also reaches out to a divorce attorney he knows using Facebook on Facebook Messenger and has a conversation with a divorce attorney about filing for divorce. And he doesn't want Chasey to know right now. He kind of wants to surprise attack her with this divorce. Okay. He also reaches out to a realtor about selling their house. Bob's making it real, right? Okay. Chasey finds out. We don't know exactly how Chasey finds out, but she knows he's talking to the divorce attorney and potentially trying to sell the house. That's on Thursday, September 8th, which brings us to Friday, September 9th, 2016. And this is our 911 call for this case. It's going to come in at 1047 p.m. to Hunt County Sheriff's Department. Female hyperventilating a mess. Once again, we have a female that's kind of babbling. They all hyperventilate. Very similar to Marissa on Hammerside. Yeah. Dispatch is having a hard time understanding what this female is saying. Something along the lines, my husband's been shot. Okay, this is a shooting, pretty serious case. Right. Then it sounds like she's struggling, almost like she's in a fight. Okay. And you hear the phone fall, like it sounds like it falls out of her hand, goes dead. When they call her back, nobody answers. So they're never going to make contact by the phone again. Patrol officers are rushing to the scene. They're running code three, lights and siren. Okay. And the area, they did get GPS from the phone during the 911 call. So they, they know generally where she's supposed to be. And it's very rural, a bunch of farming fields. It's just flat farm fields. There's an old paved road, and then there's a dirt road. Okay. The dirt road is just used for farmers to like access their for irrigation and yeah their tractors to get their tractor to plow a field type stuff she's about half a mile up the dirt road off of the paved road so after this 911 call she's run to the paved road okay. and she's standing in that little intersection when the first officer pulls up and i actually have some body camera here so he's putting her in his car for safety and then he takes out he's a big guy he is a big guy he just starts running you know he He doesn't doesn't even know what where he's running to at that point he has no idea that he has a half mile to go oh my (laughs) gosh i suspect when he gets there he's going to be pretty much worthless he's going to be exhausted and he's going to be exhausted running into a potential gunfight Yeah, I've actually experienced this. It's terrible, absolutely terrible. So good luck, buddy. (laughs) Pace yourself when you're running to the scene. Sometimes you don't know what you're going to find. Now, I've got a couple pictures here, and I want to walk you through because we're going to get into some blood spatter here in just a minute. And it's going to be important for people to understand this scene is kind of unique because of what's happening with the vehicle. Okay. Chasey was driving a white Jeep. And it's the four-door style Jeep, not the truck, but the actual Jeep. And this is the picture at the top of the screen here. The top of the screen. And then the picture at the bottom here is the side. And you can actually see Robert's or Bob's arm in between that B pillar, that white So is this the kind of Jeep that doesn't have any doors or windows? She has taken off all of the doors, the top. It's completely open. The only thing that's there is the windshield. And why this is important is Bob has been shot in the head with a shotgun. Okay. That's very very messy death. It is a extremely messy death. So when we start talking blood spatter, we're not going to see the typical spatter we would see on the inside of a door or on the window. It's kind of wide open. Right. My first suicide call was a shotgun to the head. It how was, was crazy. that for you? It was very messy. Well, I have to say the guy 
when you walked into his apartment, he was very clean. He had crazy OCD. The entire apartment was extremely clean, vacuum lines in the carpet. The kitchen was sparkling and pristine. He went to great lengths to put extra shower curtains around the bathtub because he laid down in the bathtub and shot himself. But the thing that made the biggest impression on me out of the whole thing was the eyeball hanging from the ceiling. And perhaps because it was the, I see you. Right, perhaps because it was the only thing left intact that was impressionable on me. I'm not sure, but it was very messy. Okay. Otherwise. Fun, disgusting fact. Eyes are very resilient with trauma to the head. It's very common for eyes to actually stay intact. So where the entire head sometimes liquefies with different types of horrific events, uh-huh. it's actually very common to find a random eyeball in the mess. Yeah, it was... Anyhow. Yeah, Poor thanks Bob. for sharing. Poor Bob. So they're going to obviously see they've got a homicide scene. One officer is going to stay with the Jeep to start preserving that scene. The other is going to go back and start talking to Chasey. They Mirandize her, so everything was done pre- and post-Miranda was done properly for the interview purposes. She's a mess, and I've got a picture of her here, and I kind of want to articulate. And those of you who are listening, I'm going to do my best to explain it, but it's probably worth going to YouTube on this one because we do have a lot of pictures and videos. Okay, her legs. That's mud from her knees to thighs area. And she's down. wearing shorts. Yeah, she's wearing shorts. And she's sitting in the ambulance, by the way. She's on the gurney inside of an ambulance. So her legs are muddy. Her feet are covered in mud. Her shins, calves, up to her knee, and then you start to see it fade Why out. Why isn't she wearing thighs. shoes? That's a great question. I think they came off in the mud. She lost them. She, she blew her flip-flops in the mud. Hmm. Her hands are muddy up to about mid... Forearm? Forearm area. Now, you can't see it really well in this picture. I've got some more pictures we'll look at here in a little bit. There's blood on her left forearm up to her, like, bicep area. Mm-hmm. There's blood on her left leg, the left side of her shorts, on her T-shirt on the left side, on the left side of her neck, and the left side of her head. Okay. None on the right. None on the front, none on the back. And what that tells me is her left side was facing or positioned towards Bob when Bob was shot. And she's in fairly close proximity. This isn't blood transfer where she rubbed up against him. And she's going to try to say she rubbed up against him to explain the blood. This is not what we see with blood transfer. This is blood spatter. We see blood spatter running in different directions on her as well. And I've got a better picture. Right, there's some dripping down, kind of going upwards on her arms. So she's chaotic when this is happening. She's moving is what that tells us. I've got another little video from her body cam. And I kind of want to explain her demeanor. She's all over the place. Very hard to understand. They're putting her in the ambulance. It's all right, calm down. Breathe slow. So was anyone else out there with you? No, I was only by myself. I no, with, was it your husband? Is, what's his name? Robert. 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 When, yeah, when he texted me, he, I, I told him I was three miles away. He texted me. He told me it was a long three minutes. When he texted me, I came around the car and I went off the road. He said, I don't think I can make it down the road. So we walked. We walked up here and we walked back to my jeep. This is so ridiculous. I I have to laugh at the paramedic. Oh, sitting in the back? Yes. Yeah, zero fucks given. He he just appears like he 
completely understands this girl is full of crap. Yeah, what's really interesting with the paramedic, when she starts flailing her arms about trying to explain things, she has a little pulse ox yeah. sensor on her. On her finger. And he just grabs it and throws it to the side because he's like, girl, just shut up. The other thing you have to understand here, <laughs> this is probably 30 to 45 minutes after the incident. Bob's been shot and she's still acting like this. Like hyperventilating hey. typically doesn't happen for an hour. Right. You either pass out or you stop. She's nervous. Yes. Let's break down her interview as it starts to happen at the scene later on at the fire station. What she's going to try to explain is that her and Bob were going to meet in town. She was driving to meet him there, and she took a shortcut across this dirt road. She got stuck, and she couldn't get out, so she calls Bob and asks Bob to come help her get her Jeep out. She sends him the GPS, a little GPS pin of where she's at. Bob drives out there meets her. And you know, sometimes people start to add weird information when they don't <laughs> know what to say or they're hiding stuff. When Bob first gets there, she's walked about a hundred yards down from her Jeep. And when he's on the dirt road in his truck pulling up to her, he stops and he tells her, I don't want to go all the way to your Jeep because if you got stuck, I might get stuck. Let's walk there together. So he parks his truck, starts walking to the Jeep. And she tells this crazy story that she recognized the cologne he was wearing was the same cologne he wore on their wedding day. Hmm. And he's never worn it since. It's the first time since his wedding day. And they're laughing about this. Okay. I have a question. Where did Bob think she was prior to this? Did he know? Where was she prior to this? Was she at work coming home? No, she told Bob that she was at a birthday party with their daughter. So one of her friends has a child, allegedly, the same age as their daughter. And she had taken their daughter to this birthday party. Okay. The daughter, allegedly wanted to stay the night with this friend. So she had just left the birthday party and she's headed back to Royce City and they're going to meet for some food. Okay. But we don't know much more than that. It's really messy the way that she's, well, you could hear it the way she was Yeah, talking. she's just hysterical. When he gets in the Jeep, he's able to get the Jeep out of the little ditch that she pulled into. He pulls it up onto the road, according to Chasey, when a shadowy figure comes out of the tree line with a gun and shoots Bob in the head at point blank range and runs off. Just to do it. Just to do it. So this is her first story. Okay. This story is going to morph over time. And she never saw any features of this shadowy figure. Shadowy figure. Tall and dark. This is fishy. It is very fishy. The patrol officer is doing a good job because he's like, kind of what you, where are you coming from? Why are you here? Like, let's back up and give me some, some context of how we got here tonight. Okay. And she starts explaining completely different story than what Bob thinks. She explains she was with a friend by the name of Michael Garza and that they were at his house. She goes in a little bit further about her and Michael were driving over there. He was with her, he wasn't with her. She's kind of all over the place. And as she's explaining this relationship with Michael Garza, she just throws out, well, and obviously we had sex. Why would she just <laughs> blurt that out to the officers? Well, what? It's obvious, I, I don't know. I have a clip Are you and Michael Garza dating or anything like that? Y'all have a relationship? Yes. Did y'all have a date? Was it date night? No, we we just hung out. We we had sex, obviously. Oh, okay. Thanks, Chasey. You know the other thing I love is you can definitely tell this officer's from Texas. Right. So what y'all doing tonight? He's yeah, pretty just good. Just a good old boy. Yeah. Further interviews at the station, and the story's going to start 
to morph. She will change eventually that it's not a shadowy dark figure, that it was Michael Garza who came out of the tree line and shot Bob. The detective asked, did you see the gun? And she's like, yeah, it was this long camouflage type gun. And they knew it was a shotgun at this point, just based on the the injury. He's like, well, did you see the shotgun in the Jeep when you drove over there? And she's like, no, that's weird. I never did see How do you not see it? Your Jeep doesn't have any doors or windows. I would challenge anybody to get into a car or a Jeep specifically with somebody carrying a shotgun and not notice the giant shotgun. Lies. <laughs> Lies. She does admit that she saw the shotgun on the table at his house before they left. Mm. So she puts a so little bit of So she does recognize it. Yes. Yes. She's just full of shit. Mm-hmm. At this point, she's trying to explain some of this to the detective as far as what the plan was, because this plan just doesn't make sense. Here's the first part. That way you can paid to the home When she says she wanted to give Robert a taste of his own medicine, what did she mean by that? Shocker. Guess what Chasey is going to claim? She is a victim of... Domestic violence. Chronic domestic violence. For years, Robert has been abusing her. He's very physically aggressive towards her. She has been confiding in Garza about this domestic violence she's experiencing. Garza has agreed to manage her husband. According to her in this interview, the intent was not to kill him. It was just to scare him so that he would feel what she feels. Apparently somewhere in the planning that didn't get fully digested by Garza, who just shoots him in the head with a shotgun. Do you think she knows Marissa? <laughs> they should be sellies. Like they would be the best sellies. They just be BFFs forever in jail. Sellies. Yeah. My celly is my BFF. Right. The detective is struggling here because there's confusion on, okay, how is this supposed to work? You shoot him in the head and you guys just leave him there? It's obviously you lured him there. Yeah. What were you going to do? And she tries to explain, well, Garza was going to try to stage it like a robbery. We were going to burn the car. But the more you ask and then you look at how they all came to that location, there's evidence everywhere. Like you're never getting away with this crime. What are you thinking? And I want to get into this just a little bit because I've investigated a lot of cases where people are like, well, it just doesn't make sense. When stupid people plan stupid shit, it doesn't make sense. So at times, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would they do that? Because they're stupid. I can't explain anything. Yeah. Sometimes people just do dumb things. Yeah. It's inexplicable. Let's talk about Chasey's blood spatter. And I think this will start to provide some context of where the plan went off the rails. So we have two pictures here. One is of her forearm, and it's the inside of her forearm kind of going into the, her elbow area. Her, okay. So her shoulder would be at the top of the screen. That's just off her hand at the bottom. Sure, you can see the crook of her elbow. Right, and if you were to draw a line like right down the center of her forearm there, the blood on the left-hand side is actually running up towards her elbow. The blood on the right-hand side is actually running down. And right. this is what I was getting to earlier. This is indicative of her just probably flailing at this time. And the blood is just splashing every which it, way on it's her It's just arm. drawing to wherever she's moving at the time. She also has some blood spatter on her neck and the side of her face here. Just beneath her jawline. And you, you can, can kind it. of see on her forearm here how you, you started with kind of a clean drop and then you get this this running of blood, like right. the drip, right? And everybody knows what it, Think of paint. It looks like a drip of paint. When you look at the blood spatter that's on her neck, though, notice that it's not uniform. Like, it's not a perfectly round circle or it's not a drip. Mm -hmm. 
that's chunks. It, it looks may, like mud splashing almost. Kind of. And it, it's important to understand this. It's like that because of whatever's mixed in with the blood tissue, brain matter, skull, mm-hmm. bone, muscle. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. There is no other explanation. She was standing next to the Jeep when Robert was shot. She will claim and go on to claim that she was like 15 feet behind the Jeep. So she didn't see everything. He is shot from the passenger side, entry to the right side of his head, exit to the left side, the wadding. So it's a shotgun shell. And in shotgun shells, what actually pushes when the powder discharges, what pushes that round out is this plastic wad. Okay. That plastic wad is also in his head which tells us the shotgun was pretty close. Not right next to it, but probably just outside the Jeep on the passenger side. Based on the blood that's on her, I suspect she was standing at the passenger door when this happened. Right next to Garza. Right next to Garza. I think tactically, if you think about this, it makes sense. He's pulled the Jeep back up onto the road. road. She walks up to the passenger side. I bet you Garza's just right behind her, kind of using her for cover to hide until the last second. And then boom, he pops up from behind her and shoots Bob. So he never sees it coming. Chasey has no idea what a human head does when it is hit with a 12 gauge slug. And all of a sudden she's wearing her husband's blood and matter all All over her. her. She flips out. She goes absolutely berserk, calls 911, and Garza's like, what What are you doing? doing?" And she's just panicking, calling 911 because she has, she's just covered in blood. It's like the Gallagher scene that we talked about in the last episode. Poor Bob got Gallaghered. Yes, Bob got Gallaghered, and she was in the front row, and she caught all of that material. Mm -hmm. So Garza's freaking out like, don't call 911 yet. We're not ready. Smacks the phone away from her. It goes into a mud puddle. And, and this that's is what sounded like there was a dispatch. fight. They will find the phone later on in the mud puddle. So they're going to recover the phone. But that's why this plan gets so screwed up quickly is Chasey freaks out. Well, now Garza knows she called 911. The cops are going to be there. So he just takes off running. <laughs> It's just complete mayhem at that point. It is absolutely insanity. I want to show one other clip here, and this is going to be in the interview room at the police department. The detective has already talked to her. She's already admitted that it was Garza that killed Bob and that she was definitely involved in the planning and luring out there. But now her mom and her stepfather are at the police station and law enforcement is going to let her speak to her parents for just a minute. Moms tell you exactly what you need to hear as far as their ability to read. To the read situation. your child. Yeah, so, you know when they're lying. Yeah. So here we go. Oh, I've been having a problem again. And he's going to keep me out. And I'm going to take Aspen from me again. I talked to Robert yesterday. I, I know. know. No, stop pushing me around. He's not pushing me around, Chase. Well, you don't, you don't live there. You're not going to yell at me, Chase. I'm not. I want to know what happened last night. What is all that on your leg? He, he pushed me down when he got my phone, and then I took off running. Did Michael Person did this to you? I didn't want him to kill. I just wanted to I just wanted something to scare, to, to, oh, no, 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 So you just wanted Michael Garza to scare Robert? To stop it, he's just hurting me. Officer, can we get my wife out, please? I, I didn't want her to do it. I just wanted him to scare him and that he was going to do it. I don't want to hear it anymore. Is there this, any doubt 
in your mind that the mom knows that this her poor mother just a killed. she can't stand to look at her daughter <laughs> right because she's, she's just such dumb. a mess she's just so ridiculous i can't stand looking at that because it's just so ridiculous right and it's so unfortunate that a mother would have to be put in that position with their child to have to continually think about that every single day of their lives and I believe this mother is smart enough to see the future of she has a six year old child. Yes. Whose father is now dead and whose mother is probably going to prison the rest of her life. So mm -hmm. as a grandparent, like, don't get me wrong, I want to hang out with my grandchildren. I don't know that I want to raise them. Right. So there's got to be just all of this stuff coming together. It's, it's very obvious at this point that Chasey lured Bob to that location. She's going to describe Garza having a camo gun. Law enforcement's obviously going to book her on the murder, but now they're looking for Garza who's left the area. So they start doing some research. Who is Michael Garza? Mm -hmm. What can they find? And they find his Facebook page where this dummy is smart enough to have a picture of him He's posing with, with the camouflage shotgun that they're probably looking for. Good work, Garza. So it's going to be pretty hard to be like, I don't even own a shotgun. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's it's a mess. He looks really young. I think he's 32 or 34 at this time. He is young. They're all young, except for Bob. Phone records and phone extracts are going to be coming into play now. So I, I need to explain the difference. Phone records are what we get from the phone company that gives us some type of location information where the phone was at at certain times and then who they may be calling or texting, vice versa. A phone extract is a process where they forensically extract all of the information that's on the phone. Pictures, text message content, all that kind of good stuff. We're gonna get both on this one. Good. I get brought into the case to do an analysis on the phone records to look at the geolocation side of all the, the movement of everybody involved, but to also look at the text messages to try to correlate where people are at physically when they're sending certain text messages. Okay. And it's huge. I have a really bad story about this, though. Okay, you were God. there. I was there. I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so for people at home, when you get a phone extract, it's this giant data file and it's gigs. 10 gigs is not They're unheard huge of. Files. It's huge files because it has everything that's on your phone. A lot of times when you take pictures on your phone, there's a it's almost like a hash, right? It's this really long alphanumeric number that, that the picture is automatically picture. saved as unless you go in and resave it as something, right? Or right. rename it. Well, I have this Cellbrite extract with all this data on my computer and I'm putting this case together. And we, Should we define what Celebrite is? Celebrite people? is the tool that is used by law enforcement to actually do the extract. So a Celebrite report is all that data. So I have this Celebrite file with all this data on my laptop and I'm putting this case together because I have to do a presentation of the jury to correlate all this stuff. And we'll show some parts of that presentation. Which means you have all these nasty photos on your computer. Chasey took a lot of pictures of, of her hoo -ha. Yeah, just constantly, <sighs> constantly. So we go to a conference. There, I have to explain to people, there are a lot of times that I walk up to your computer and <laughs> I watch what you're looking at and I'm thinking he's not into like crazy porn right this is this is his job <laughs> you're like why are you looking at some chick's ass that says seisman yeah. like, I, I didn't sorry, know you were babe. into this kind of thing <laughs> so we go to this conference and it's a big conference the international association chiefs of police it's their big annual conference i have this group in front of our booth we have a big booth because we're a vendor we're selling a product to law enforcement which is this phone tracking information and i have this presentation from the seisman Amani Brown case where we showed the video cameras. We were showing how we movement. could corroborate all of the video evidence with right. different 
types of... And it, I, I was in a hurry because I've got like 30 people I'm showing this to and we're talking about this. I'm uh-huh. like, oh, let me show you this work product that I made that'll help you understand what we can do. Yeah. And all I could remember is on that case, the homicide happened on May 27th. I had titled that presentation May 27th. So I was thinking, oh, I could just search really quick using File Explorer 27TH. Mm-hmm. And it'll come up. Well, there was also a picture of Chasey's hoo-ha that had 27TH within that hash. The identifying number of the picture. And I'm broadcasting on a giant screen. Did so you? when I search 27TH for the Seisman Brown case, uh-huh. it brings up Chasey's hoo-ha-ha and everybody sees it. All of the chiefs of police. Did you explain? I think I heard one of them in the back. Is that Chasey? <laughs> You're such a liar. <laughs> but anyway, you got to be careful what you search for. I learned not to do that after that. And Chase, she had no idea. No, Chasey has several men. This is the first thing that the phone records are going to show us. She's balancing five different relationships during this time. One of them being Bob, four just other people. Okay. This sounds exhausting. Oh, the text me- It's nonstop. It's thousands of text messages. And she's carrying on different lives with each of them that are completely different. Some of them, she's divorced. Some of them, she's married. Some of them, she has a grandpa who's about to die, which she doesn't. Just webs of lies Just everywhere. Just all kinds of webs of lies. Like This it is gets, why her cake business didn't take off. She didn't put any focus onto it. Yeah, she just made shitty cakes because yeah. she was texting the entire time. There's a couple of these that are really interesting, and you start to see a pattern developing that she goes through this process with these new men that she's meeting about mm-hmm. telling them about her horrible husband, whether it's an ex-husband or current husband, and his domestic violence history. And she just needs them to help her make him go away, get rid of him. And there's one guy in particular, we're just going to call him Brad. Brad is the guy we saw on the doorbell camera. Oh. And we don't know that until we identify this, police interview him. And he was explaining, she told me she was divorced, but I started getting suspicious about all of these lies she was telling me. So I just decided one day I was going to go over to the house and look because she's supposed to live at the house by herself. Oh, he's So very he brazen. just showed up unannounced. And that's why you see her rush him out of there like, you dumb shit. You just got on the doorbell camera. My husband's going to see. But she can't say that. I told you never to come here. Right. So Brad is can't wait to talk to investigators. This chick is crazy. And he starts explaining all of her craziness. She does ask Brad to help her get rid of Bob. Mm. And it's interesting. Brad's comment in his text message is, I don't look good in an orange jumpsuit. So when she asks these men, help me get rid of Bob, are they all under the assumption that she wants them to kill Bob? She alludes without saying, will you kill my husband? I'm looking for someone to help me get him off the planet, <laughs> get rid of him altogether. I want him gone and I'm not talking on a vacation. Okay. But she's she's careful about how she says it because, you know, sometimes women can come on a little bit too strong early in a relationship. Right. So she eases into it, but it's very clear when you see all the text messages, she wants you to kill how her husband. How long had she been having a relationship with Brad before she asked him that or any of them for that matter it's pretty quick within weeks she she takes that part of the conversation very quickly i've got to highlight a couple of the what i'm going to call the highlights of her text messages with brad because it does get very interesting okay brad is one of the guys that she's texting on the way to the airport at the airport and while she's in mexico okay and she screws up and forgets some of what she tells brad because to your point it's exhausting she's losing track of her own story 
So at one point she's texting Brad and he's, you should be on a plane halfway to Mexico. And she's like, no, I'm just in the airport because her story and she has to recover from that. And I think Brad, between the doorbell camera, some of the text messages he's getting from the Mexico trip. And he starts questioning what single mother takes their six-year-old to a Mexico resort for vacation because she's sending pictures. Right. And it's a nice adult resort. You're going to Disneyland with your So finally You're Brad doing... gets really smart. And Brad's okay. like, hey, did you go with somebody else other than your daughter? And she says, no, no, it's just me and my daughter. Mm-hmm. Well, how did you get to the airport? Well, my mom dropped me off. Mm-hmm. Great, Brad says. You're going to need a ride home. I'm going to pick you up at the airport. When does your plane land? Brad's such a nice guy. He is such a nice guy. And he, he knows wants that to he, hang out. Well, or he knows that he has just caught her in her web of lies. Right. So Chasey quickly starts spinning this relationship that, oh, no, 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 you can't. Bob wants to see our daughter as soon as I land. So Bob's going to pick me up. And she basically tells Brad. And at this point, Brad's like, this girl's full of shit. Like, I can't, I can't deal with this. When she does finally get back, Brad wants to see her. Like, she's been gone for a week. Hey, mm-hmm. girl, let's get together. She's balancing all these other things, including her relationship with Garza. So she comes up with this crazy story that she's at the hospital because her grandfather just died. And Brad just needs to give her some space. Did he just die of stomach cancer? <laughs> no, no, no. She, grandfather's not dead or All in the hospital. All of these women between Marissa and Chasey, somebody has to die in order for them to continue their drama. I feel like that's the ultimate excuse, right? You can't judge me right now, no matter how I'm behaving, if yeah. a family member's died. Yeah, you want a day off work? My grandma died. Somebody died. My aunt died. So let's get into the text messages now between Garza and Chasey and how they met and some background because it gets really interesting. They met on Facebook. They friend each other, whatever it is. Garza has a little bit of history. He's kind of a bad boy. He did about a year and a half in prison uh, when he was younger for theft of means of transportation, which, by the way, nobody steals a car for the first time ever, gets caught for just stealing a car and goes to prison for a year and a half for it. This is... He's probably got a lot of other things that they put together, and this was the plea deal. His crimes are just compounding. Yeah. Garza claims to be a member of the Mexican Mafia, which is a gang, and he is what he refers to as a shot caller, which means I call the shots within the Mexican Mafia. I can order hits. Oh. As you can imagine, this is really appealing to Chasey. So they start talking (laughs) about... Will you get rid of my husband? <laughs> Unlike Brad, and it's so interesting, the polar opposites we're going to see here. Chasey asks Brad, kill my husband. Brad responds, girl, I don't look good in an orange jumpsuit. No way. Good Chasey asks Garza, hey, can you kill my husband? Garza's like, I will rock an orange jumpsuit. <laughs> and this is all via text message. All via text messages. So that's where we start to see it. Chasey is trying to play hard to get a little bit or hard to kill my husband get a little bit. It doesn't make sense. But she actually starts to say, you can't go to prison over me. I'm not worth it. She's looking for that acknowledgement. The assurance that he's going to move through with it. So Garza texts back, well, do you want to be with me? And she says, yes. And he responds, then I will take care of it. He will never lay his hands on you again. Your problems are my problems. (sighs) So they're having very serious conversations at this You point. will be mine for the you rest of mine. your life. Can you get a tattoo of my name on your ass? <laughs> JC explains to Garza, there's only one way to solve my problem. Uh-huh. And I can't get you involved. Me more than anyone wants him gone. And Garza responds, well, it can happen. 
And this is what I meant earlier when I was like, she doesn't necessarily come out and say, well, you kill my husband, but she makes it very clear he has to be gone. Right. You're going to go to prison if you do it the way I want it. Like there's these issues, right, that it's pretty easy to That to seems up. there's an entire grooming process going on that she's conducting with these men. A hundred percent. And then these conversations start to get pretty deep where they, without saying the word kill, they're talking about killing Bob. And at one point, Chasey gets smart and she says, no more texting about this. <laughs> So she stops the texting. As though everything she's already texted yeah, isn't going to be incriminating Maybe they enough. won't read anything beyond that. Because, you know, when cops see a text message that says, stop texting about this, we don't want to read, of course, what they were <laughs> texting about. So we just stopped, too. If you remember, they came home on a Wednesday, September 7th. Uh-huh. September 8th at 1230 in the morning. They just got home. They flew in that evening landed at Dallas-Fort Worth, drove 45 minutes an hour to Royce City. Mm -hmm. They're probably just getting in, getting the, the kids settled, the whole thing. And all of a sudden, she actually texts him at 1230 in the morning. I've oh. made up my mind. We need to talk. It's just that little carrot, right? Right. Then she follows up immediately with, I made my decision. Garza, I'm afraid of what you're going to think of me when I tell you. And what she's telling him is, I want to tell you my plan but I'm really worried of how you're going to judge me. She's looking for that affirmation before she says, kill him. Right. Before they move forward with talking about the plan. Correct. If there actually was a plan, I'm, I'm sure there was, but. I, I think so. She goes on and she says some really corny things like my smile is gone. The only way I can ever get it back is to get rid of him. My it's stomach so has been in knots. It is. It's just dumb. Like you read it and you're like, whatever. She goes to bed at some point. She's got to get a little bit of sleep. This is Thursday the 9th, 8.30 in the morning. I told him I want out. I told him I'm done. I can't do this anymore. She then asks Garza, do I make you happy? Do you want to be with me? Garza responds, yes, babe. She responds back, well, I can't with him. Like, hey, if you want to be with me, I can't be with you. Just get with on him. with it already, Tracy. Right, just say it. At 8.50, she's going to text, or I'm sorry, at 8.50, Garza's going to text. It's going to work itself out. But they're going to read all of our text messages. They're going to look at our social media, everything. Call me at lunch. No more talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> so again, hey, oh my when we commit this crime, they're probably going to look for evidence. And we're creating a lot of it right now, so let's stop talking about it. We have a very it. lengthy Text trail. <laughs> yes. I wanted to say paper trail, but I guess it does turn into a paper it, yes. trail later on. There is phone call at lunch that day. She does call <laughs> him on her lunch break at 10.54 p.m. They have another call. And then after that call, as soon as they hang up, Garza texts, I will take care of him. And this all happened Thursday. Thursday. So now we're going to move to September 9th, Friday, September 9th. Uh, they start early, 4.30 in the morning. Chasey calls Garza. So first thing that morning. Uh, Garza's a long-haul trucker, so he's on a trucking route these last few days. So ever since she's landed from the trip to Mexico till now, he's delivering stuff all over the central United States. Okay. He's actually up in Little Rock this morning, and he says something very interesting, and this is going to be really important later. So this timeline, I'm going to try to keep it pinpoint. At 8.46 Friday morning, he tells her, don't text him nothing yet. Till I tell you. And I realize the it doesn't make sense. But what he's saying is, do not text Bob anything until I tell you. Got it. Right? At 2.37, Chasey sends a text message to a babysitter asking if she could watch her daughter that night. 
the babysitter doesn't respond. So a few minutes later, Chasey texts Garza, hey, the babysitter isn't responding to me. Garza says, don't worry about it. He makes a phone call to the husband, hangs up, immediately texts Chasey back. I got a hold of the husband. She's going to be calling. So this babysitter is someone Garza knows. Garza knows. And that's important. Probably so that if it was someone that Bob knew, that person wouldn't call Bob for any reason. And the story about the birthday party no longer makes sense. Got it. See, you're seeing an issue here. And I I want to talk about this here in just a minute. About 2.57, 3 o'clock, the babysitter texts Chasey, hey, no problem. I talked to Garza. I'll take her tonight. So the babysitter is arranged. At 3.30, Garza actually arrives back in Quinlan, which is where he lives just outside of Royce City. Okay. As we continue to go forward at 5 o'clock, Chasey gets off work and you see her phone leave that East Dallas area heading towards Royce City. She's going to pick up her daughter. I don't know where her daughter's at, but and we don't get specific enough location information. She just goes to Royce City, but then babysitter lives out of town a ways. You can see where Chasey takes her daughter and drops her off at the babysitter. The next call is really important. 5.14 p.m., Garza is going to call Chasey. It's a 7-minute and 45-second conversation. That's a long conversation for them. It's a long conversation. Chasey has not texted Bob at all during the day. Hasn't called Bob, hasn't texted Bob, because Garza said... Don't do anything until until I tell you. As soon as she hangs up, she sends the first text message she sent that day to Bob. I think we will get through this, but I want to talk. Oh, no. Bob. Okay, baby. Me too. Where is Bob that day? Is he at work? He's at home. He's at home. He's in Royce City. He's at the house. Okay. This He just talked to the attorney the day before. He's putting the house up. Bob, stick to your guns. Don't do it. No, Bob. No. She drops off at the babysitter. She goes straight to Garza's house. She arrives at Garza's house around 6, 630. This is where, obviously, they have sex. Okay. Right, So her and Garza is going to have this little sexcapade for a while. I want to, to frame something here. And you hit it right on the head. She's using a babysitter that is only known to Garza, not to Bob, to conceal this from Bob. And she's making up this elaborate story about the birthday party. This is when the crime really starts. This is her first act of the murder itself. Of intent. Yes. And I really feel that this didn't get relate to the jury as well as it could have. This is pre-planned, premeditated murder, and this is a physical act of showing that planning process. So I'm a little disappointed in how this plays out a little bit, but I want to emphasize that before we go on. She arranged this, right? Mm -hmm. At 721, Bob is going to text her. She's in Garza's bed, naked when this happens. And Bob is asking, hey, how long is our daughter going to be out with those people she's with? Because he doesn't know them. And she responds back until we finish talking. That's the birthday party for her niece. And she's kind of explaining a little bit more about the birthday party. Chasey then mm-hmm. says, hey, Bob, do you want to work things out? And I think Bob probably had to take a step back because he's like, that's a question for you, not me. Like, I'm willing to listen, but I need to hear something that makes sense. Right. Basically so saying, like, you're out of control. Chance. Yeah. Chasey's then going to ask Bob if it's okay if their daughter stays the night with the friends at the birthday party, because Bob doesn't know about the babysitter. And he says, hey, whatever you want to do, it's up to you. Mm-hmm. And then she responds with, I love you. And then a second text message, I really do. And Bob's like, well, then come be with me. Like, sure, get over here. What's, what's the big deal? While this is happening, just so everybody's tracking, her and Garza are trying to plan how to lure Bob out of the house so that they can kill him. Garza wants to lure him to Dallas, and they're going to try to do like this attempted 
mugging and kill him during this mugging and make it look like some random violence in Dallas. Okay. Chasey doesn't think that they can get him to Dallas. So these mental giants are having this intellectual conversation <laughs> about giants. how they can get Bob out of the house. <laughs> okay. As they're having this conversation, it comes to them. We need to lure him out to a field. Okay. Well, how do we get him out of the house? Like, what can we do? And then it happens. And this is the scariest thing that could possibly happen. And this is what should scare the hell out of every man in America. She sends him a text message. Do you remember when you used to come home late and you would bring Jack in the Box tacos home? Bob says, I do. She responds, let's meet for tacos. Hey, baby, we never needed Mexico. You can be the craziest bitch I've ever met in my life. (laughs) We've got Jack in the Box. (laughs) But if tacos are on the table, I'm at least going to listen. Right? I'm going to go and have tacos. Who doesn't have... Anyway. Well, okay. There are a lot of listeners out there because Jack in the Box is mostly a Southwest, West Coast thing. There are a handful throughout the Midwest. And there really aren't any on the East Coast. So Jack in the Box is a fast food restaurant, mainly known for really greasy hamburgers. But they're also very popular for these little grease bomb tacos that have wilted iceberg shredded lettuce in them that are the lettuce is also greasy and they're just nasty they taste good when you're in college or when you're a high school kid or you're intoxicated or you're really intoxicated and you're coming home at two o'clock in the morning hungry but i'm really glad to say that my palate has evolved quite a bit since college (laughs) See, my palate's evolved, but I will still tell you, a bad jack-in-the-box taco is still better than a lot of other food out there. Yeah, <laughs> like as a, a matter bad of fact, taco is still good. I'm going to make sure we insert a marketing image of a jack-in-the-box taco. And then and a real picture. what it really looks like when you get it. That will actually be pretty funny. <laughs> Problem here, Bob's a big guy. Bob likes his jack-in-the-box tacos. He's okay. hooked. He's going to go to jack-in-the-box. At 10.08, Chasey texts Bob. According to my GPS, I'm three minutes away. Bob's like, what are you talking about? So he sends a question mark like, you should have been here 20 minutes ago. Like, what's up? And she just texts back, I'm cutting across a dirt road. So she plants that seed that she's cutting across this road. That's at 10.08. For 17 minutes, there's no conversation. And then finally, Bob texts back. Hey, that's a long three miles. <laughs> like, why haven't you gone three miles? And in he's just minutes? waiting for her at Jack in the Box. Yes, he's just waiting there. And supposedly she's three miles out. As soon as Chasey gets that text message of it's a long three miles, she calls Bob. This is the conversation about I got my Jeep stuck. Come pick me up or come sure. get me unstuck, if you will. It's a 16 minute phone call. When Bob hangs up, he's in the location Chasey's in. So when we look at the phone records and we see this call that Chasey calls Bob, Bob starts driving from the Jack in the Box to where Chasey's out at this field. When Bob hangs up, it's 1043. The 911 call is 1047. So within four minutes of Bob hanging his phone up, he walks down, gets in her Jeep, and is shot and killed. It happens that really was fast. quick. Yes. The, and the reason I want to make a big deal about that, that short time period, mm-hmm. there is no attempt to scare Bob. No. There's no attempt to like ration with Bob, like, hey, if you keep beating Chasey up, we're going to kick your ass. Yeah. It is, boom. They shoot and kill him at the very first opportunity they have. So it is 100% a setup ambush. And he wouldn't have had time to come out of the trees somewhere with that short amount of time. Right. Now, remember I referred to these two as mental giants. Yes. And I also said they're just stupid. Yeah. 
So remember, Garza freaks out when Chasey calls 911. So he takes off running the opposite direction. He's got a murder weapon. I'm thinking when you're dressed in dark clothing, running through the Texas countryside at night with a shotgun, you should probably be careful. There's right. a lot of armed people that might shoot Everybody's you. Everybody's armed in Texas. And you just committed a murder with this weapon. And it sounds like he's on some farmer's land out there. He's running across field to field to field to field. So what do you think this mental giant does with the shotgun? I don't know. He just dumps it in a cornfield somewhere. He does. He buries it in a field. Very shallow grave. Okay. What happens to a field gets, two, three times a year? It gets plowed. How stupid can you be to hide the evidence in the next field over in a field that's going to get plowed? So this farmer is going to call 911 one day. Mm-hmm. And the 911 call is hilarious because he starts with, I found that shotgun because <laughs> everybody, everybody knows. Everybody knows that everybody's looking for a shotgun. Yes, they know about the murder They because he was a fire uh, captain. Like, he's pretty well known in this area. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I found this. So I have the, there's not audio with this one, but I actually have the body camera of when they go out. And sure enough, he drug up the shirt and boom, there's the shotgun. Serial number still on it. Uh, was it, that the shirt that Garza was wearing? Was wearing. It had blood spatter on it as well. That's why he got rid of it. Uh, they run the shotgun. It's going to come back registered to Michael Garza's brother. He bought it at a Walmart. They will oh. go interview Michael Garza's brother who said, I don't have that shotgun anymore. I gave it to my brother. Michael Garza will eventually turn himself in. He's going to make the claim when he turns himself in that he did not kill Robert Pointer. In fact, he wasn't even there. He was at home. He had to take care of Oreo. I'm imagining a little... Chihuahua? A milk cow. Black and white milk cow? Oreo? Who has to go home and take care of their black and white milk cow? <laughs> I'm sure there's people in America that are like, no, I have to go home and take care of my cows all the time. But his alibi <sighs> for not killing Bob is that he was home with his sick milk cow named Oreo. Did law enforcement verify he had a black and white milk cow? Even if they did, it doesn't matter. No. <laughs> I'm just wondering. Like they is... pull up and they see this sickly looking milk cow in the barn and they're like, well, he must not have done it. I'm just wondering <laughs> if he even had a milk cow. Uh, apparently. It, it's pretty unique if not because they named it Oreo. Right. Let's talk about motive. Yeah. I'm curious. If, if you're going to go through all the steps to maintain so many boyfriends, why wouldn't you just get a divorce. If you hate your husband that much, just divorce him. Right. Why not just get a divorce? So let's back up a little bit in time from Bob's homicide. A few months before that, Bob has a life insurance policy. It's $680,000. But the beneficiaries are the daughters, the three girls. Chasey convinces Bob to change the beneficiary to her. And this is, like I said, a few months before the murder. Mm. The other problem that Chasey's dealing with here, in the famous words of the not-so-great Kanye West, uh -huh. we want prenup. Bob had a prenup in place? Bob's got a prenup. If Bob gets divorced, Chasey gets nothing. The house, his pension, retirement, nothing. It all goes to his children. It all goes to his children. So Chasey, the only way Chasey can come out of this with any change in her pocket is she has to kill Bob. She can't just get a divorce. So that's why when people are like, well, why not just divorce? That's why. I think it's worth mentioning here. If you are going to get married to a crazy, psychotic woman, a prenup will, be, will save me. In this case, the prenup killed him. It did. Because I have to question, once he changed the life insurance, if they didn't have a prenup, would she just have gotten a divorce, taken half of his pension, half of what they owned? And, and been on? done. Yeah. So sometimes prenups kill. Just right. throwing that out there for people to... Uh, 
to think about. I also want to throw in just a second here. You know, there's always these buddy checks. Hey, call your friends once in a while. Check on them. Yeah. I really feel like at some point, and I feel bad saying this a little bit because I've seen a lot of shows like Dateline did this 48 hours. A couple others have done this episode and they interview some of Bob's friends at the fire station and like they're crying. They feel bad. Like they legitimately feel terrible. And it all seems they mostly knew that Chasey was not a good person in Bob's life. One of them even says when the fire chief calls him to tell him that Bob was killed, the first thing he said is she killed him, didn't she? They knew. They knew it was coming. When you see shit like this going down, slap your friend. Make him come live with you for a while. Like, Bob, right. pack your shit and get. Come. Just stay at the station. Yeah. Yes. Don't leave. Yes. It's a safe place. So if you're listening to this episode and you're like, I know somebody like Bob and she's going to kill him, do something. This could have been avoided. Don't fall for the taco trick either. <laughs> like, I know right. it's tempting, but don't do it. Especially Jack in the Box. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go to trial. Guards is first up. I know this is going to be a big shock to you. The jury didn't buy the Oreo defense. Well, that's good. <laughs> They're going to convict him. The uh, jury is smarter than Garza is what you're saying. Yes. Uh, he's going to get life in prison. So he's he's out of the picture. Chasey, the, the court case goes through with Chasey. Um, I have to testify in this case and present, and we're going to show pieces of this throughout. You'll see on the screen, basically what we're showing is the f- movements of the phone and how they're timed with certain text messages. So you see everything coming together. And that's why I use the accident reconstruction. It's like the slow moving collision. Right. And then finally you see Garza, Chasey, and Bob. All come together. All come together. And then a 911 call. And you mm-hmm. can literally visualize this entire thing. It's actually really sad to watch. The jury will convict her as well. They're not gonna fall for any of her stories. She is eligible for parole, so she goes for murder, but they actually gave Garza a much heavier sentence, which kind of going back to my point about the babysitter, that first terrible act, she's she's the puppet master here. Garza's just a simple puppet that she used. I do believe that she thought she could frame this as Garza being this crazy, jealous affair and that he killed Bob on his own without her being involved. I think she was willing to sit by and watch Garza go to prison for the rest of her life and she would somehow skate And out. come around saying something like Garza was stalking her yes. and she happened to get stuck and because he was stalking her, knowing she was going to go meet Bob, right. she could blame it on him. And she does paint this picture in part of her interview where Garza says, I love you way too soon. And that Garza was pushing the relationship really far and fast. Mm-hmm. But when you read the text messages, it's the exact opposite. So nobody buys that. But I do believe her plan was, if I can get Garza to kill him, I can always say, I didn't know. He must be a jealous boyfriend. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to speculate those things now. Right. But when you're in the midst of the investigation and you're just trying to look for facts and motive, it's hard to think about asking those questions of the person. It's hard to figure out why crazy people do crazy shit. Right. And it's only in hindsight that you can look at the bigger picture when it's all said and done and having had a lot of time to think about what the motives could have been, what the ideas could have been, that it becomes easy to start speculation. Right. And she sticks to this narrative. I think it was 48 hours interviews her after the fact, after she's been convicted. And it's it's sobering to sit there and watch her explain that this was all Garza. She didn't have anything to do with it, really. And for her to be in prison is an injustice. 
after everything we just talked about, she is still maintaining the fact she's in prison is an injustice. Oh, my gosh. This is her and Garza. Her and Garza rocking the orange jumpsuits. We had a lot of yeah. conversations about orange jumpsuits, and mm -hmm. both of them end up in an orange jumpsuit. And I want to leave you, and if you're listening on a podcast, go to YouTube. Just scroll to the very end of this episode because mm -hmm. you want to see this next picture. I think it speaks volumes to look at the transformation that her Chasey goes after. through. On the left-hand side, that is probably at the prime of her weight loss when she had gotten the thinnest that she got. It and appears then, she's been stress eating. On the right is her walking either to or from the courtroom. I don't know which. So that's actually right. during the trial. That is a, a span of only a couple years. Oh, my god! And I think you see like, how, well, and you saw her in the ambulance, right? Yeah, she was really thin. Yeah. Well, the picture on the left in her little pink jumpsuit, she's really thin. She looks healthy yeah. and I, she's healthy in the second picture, too. I think that that goes to show kind of her mental place, though. Like, you've got a lot going on when you have that kind of a transformation. Now, granted, she's in jail and going to prison, but it's hard to eat a lot of food, I would think, in jail, at least good food. Right. Yeah. But, you know that detention officer right there? She reminds me of, have you ever seen that video of the officer doing a DUI? And dancing? With the drunk guy and they're dancing? It's Reno 911. Yeah, she yeah, does yeah. look like the, the blonde from like Reno 911. Yeah. Oh, you got me there. Because he... Uh, <laughs> He tries to do the walking turn at the end yeah. and he falls off the line and he's like, well, ma'am, I couldn't do this sober. And she's like, ah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She looks like that officer in that yeah. video. Yeah. So Reno 911. All right. And that is Let's Talk About It. And our next week's episode is a really fun episode called Flash and Cash. Oh, I forgot about Flash and Cash. And it's going to be a lot of fun for you to listen to. I'll just drop one little piece. We have a hardcore, hardcore gangbanger that we arrest on Flash and Cash who's actually quasi-comedian who talks <laughs> shit about my mom the entire time we're booking him. <laughs> so you're going to have to tune in if you want those details. Have a great week. Stay safe. 